the Lord spoke to me this morning, and he's, one of the things he said to me is, do not waste your pain. And for a while, I didn't understand what that meant. Do not waste your pain. And then I understood that many times when we are in pain, we don't use that pain enough as motivation to cry out. Whereas the only advantage in pain is that you're able to use it as a springboard to the spirit. Lord, see my pain. Lord, see my concerns. Lord, see what I'm going through. Lord, see what I'm dealing with. Look at it. Look at it. But many times, children of God, we look inwards when we are in pain, looking at that pain and looking for ways to manage it. Whereas that is not the time to manage that pain. That is the time to throw it in the hands of God and say, Lord, look at my hands. They are bleeding. Lord, look at my legs. They are bleeding. Lord, look at my face. Tears are flowing. Do something. Do something. Do something. To what causes this pain? Do something. To what causes these tears? Do something. To what causes wakes me up at night? Do something. To what keeps me from being happy? Do something. Do something. Do something. If there's any pain you are going through this morning, use it and speak to Jesus. Jesus, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Take it away. Look at this. Take it away. Look at this. Take it away. Look at this struggle. Take it away. Look at this challenge. Take it away. Look at this circumstance. Take it away. Look at this situation. Take it away. 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 Pain does not know a palace or a prison. Even the man that sits on the throne can be in pain. Even the man that sits on the throne has, has challenges. So it doesn't matter how your status, your stand, whatever. Here is it. Jesus, take it away. 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 And that's what he has come to do this morning. He has come to take it away. He has come to take it away. He has come to take it away. Believe him. Believe him. Believe him. Believe him. Believe in Jesus this morning. He has come to take it away. He has come to restore joy to your soul. He has come to restore joy to the depths of your person. He has come to restore strength. He has come to restore. He has come to restore. Jesus, we thank you. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And the reason why you cried this morning is the reason why you will yet rejoice. You would yet come to give testimony of his faithfulness. 
you will yet come to give testimony of his goodness. You will still come to give testimony of his wholesomeness. You will still come to give testimony of his power. Hallelujah. Just sit down quietly before God this morning. Just give God a smile this morning. God is always good. God is always good. God is always good. You can give your neighbor a smile. God is always good. <laughs> God is always good. You are good. You are good, Jesus. You are good, Jesus. You are good, Jesus. Last, we had been looking at the subject of faith for a long time. And God would help us to, to see how far we go again today. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last week I told us about two kinds of the will of God. The one that is written. Hallelujah to you too. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I spoke of the will of God. Can you add a little bit more bass to this thing? Hallelujah. Thank you. So we spoke of the will of God in terms of the written will. And we said that if it is written, you don't need to start asking if it is still God's will. It is fully on the side of a child of God to ask if God wants you to be healed. God always wants you to be healed. God is not interested in taking you home early. For what now? You are going to spend eternity with him. So God is not in a hurry to take any child of his home. So if sickness, and I've told us what sickness does. What sickness does is that it compromises your person slowly. The devil always tries to compromise your person slowly, slowly. One headache there, one pain there, such that eventually it wears out your it wears out your physical body such that your body cannot sustain your spirit because he knows that if he can compromise your body long enough, your spirit, there is a threshold. Some of us that work in the medical field, you know that there is a point to which a body, a person's body can be compromised that the spirit cannot stay. If you shoot somebody in the heart, what are you going to do? Before the paramedic is able to determine the size of the hole, the person is dead. Because the body has been compromised in a way that has made it impossible for the spirit to stay. That's why we don't tolerate sickness. We don't tolerate not just physical sickness. We don't, we don't tolerate mental issues. We don't tolerate things that stress your mind such that is, is what you are consistently thinking about, thinking about or a situation or a circumstance. Because what it does is that it compromises the integrity of your mind, compromises the, anything that compromises the integrity of your mind or your body is trying to separate that body and mind from your spirit. And once that separation happens, the spirit goes back to God. So if whatever it is, that is why Jesus said we should care for nothing. Because in caring, and he gave an illustration, he said, how many of you by worry can add a cubit to his life? How many of you can make your hair grow longer because you are worrying about it? Whereas, 
you can make your hair fall out by worrying about it. By too much worry, you know, you've heard of people losing all their hair because they are worried or your hair turns gray very early. I found one gray hair one time long ago here. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening here? And then I found another one not too long ago, like the blood of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but those are consequences of, of, of growing. I mean, you can point, you can look at your life and where were you 15 years ago? Some of the concerns you had 15 years ago, you, if you could take those back and, and give back the ones you have now, how many of you would do it? Most of us, in a sense, of course, growth demands that you don't do it. But if you could take it back, if you could swap it for like one hour or two weeks, you probably will. Where you went back to secondary school and you had, your only concern was, hey, this geography teacher has come again. <laughs> you understand? At the time, it looked like your biggest problem. But your biggest, let me not call it problem, challenge. But, you know, <laughs> today, <laughs> it sounds like nothing. Do you remember your master teacher's name? Why do you remember his name? <laughs> He must, he must have been a special character because I'm sure you had teachers that you don't remember their names anymore. <laughs> you know, life is in stages. I was, I, was, I was scrolling through social media and I saw an exchange and it was cracking me up. So apparently there was somebody that scored, you know, jump. So the person scored 99. So somebody wrote that, oh, somebody scored 99 in mathematics. So this guy replied and said, oh, for a second, I thought they said the person scored 99 over 400. But what they were saying is that in maths, out of the four courses in JAMP, out of the 100 for maths, he scored 99. So they didn't tell us his final score. But you know, when you see 99, the first thing that comes to mind, ah, 99 over 400. No, it was 99 over 100 for maths. God knows what the other ones were. That's how somebody started insulting that one and saying, you are, so the person admitted that he first thought it was 99 over, four, over 400, and then the person came and said, you are such an idiot. That's why you failed jump. That's why how the other person replied and said, in fact, let us post our jump results. So the person they insulted posted his own jump results. <laughs> Man scored 300. That's how the person they were fighting said, I was just playing with you. <laughs> I said, I was. Just, I, it's not. It's not that deep. I was just. I was just playing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe the man did it five times and scored two one. <laughs> and if somebody has brought receipts now, you are gentle. Like ah, I was. It's, it's, it's not that hard. I was just. I was just. I was just joking. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Uh, if we go to First Corinthians chapter two. Yeah, I've been laughing since yesterday. I did. I didn't want to laugh alone because <laughs> you know social media can be vicious. Sometimes they they will insult. before two sentences they've insulted your grandfather. So, yeah, that that place don't play. And actually, sometimes I just uh, I for a long time I I I I have a policy of not having personal social media accounts because. The way you just be scrolling and scrolling, you just scroll the whole day. 
So for a long time, I just deleted all of them. And so if you are looking for me, you won't find me. Oh, maybe you'll find me or not. God knows. My family here today, gone tomorrow. That is the way of the spirit, isn't it? Like a wind. The account is dead today, is dead tomorrow. And you know, the good thing is it's free. So, so if you delete it, you can create another one when you want. So let's, let's keep deleting. If it's getting in the way of the things of God, we'll delete it and start again. It's just that your friends might not accept your friend's request anymore. <laughs> They might be tired of you. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 2 verse 14. So we were looking at three things that the knowing of the Spirit does. I will try to rush today. Number one is that we must know. Number two is that we must be convinced of what we know. Number three is that we must be active about what we know. So we'll be looking at with the first one, the knowing. And I'm just going to point out if this verse, First Corinthians two fourteen says, "But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him; neither can he know them, because they are spiritually designed." There are two sides to it. It says, "Number one, he cannot receive. Number two, he cannot know." So the reason he cannot receive is because he considers those things foolishness he considers those things foolishness and number two the reason he cannot know is because those things are spiritually designed and it is is a kind of progression because many many times the way the things of the spirit come they 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 look like um foolish things i gave the example of philip I give I give the example of Philip last uh, week where Philip had was doing crusade and God said leave the crusade go and stand by the way of the desert and it is it was one of the most stupid naturally speaking it sounds foolish but what God was going to do through that was to take the gospel to the continent of Africa and so by by speaking to a eunuch and God did it in such a way that he was he was um what's the word I'm looking for now? He started from royalty. So if you preach to the eunuch first, then the, you've taken it first to the palace. And then from the palace it starts to permeate. If God has won the palace, then the opposition, the re- what could resist the gospel in the midst of the people God has first dealt with. Such that by the time other people take the take the gospel into the city, there is no resistance from the top because God had already conquered the king. So that was what God was planning. God was thinking of the salvation of a whole continent. But if if Philip had chosen to be myopic, he would have said, "Ah, uh-uh, Samaria, there is fire and brimstone here. I need to stay here." to continue and many things of the spirit are like foolishness i i one of my favorite examples was when i went to apply for a visa one time and i got there so i got in and they said um where are your documents so i'm like i one of the things i pride myself in is is in taking more documents than people ask me i you know when they say where's this one you know that come let's just be like hold up here here <laughs> two times I've seen things 
One time, there was one that I applied for and demanded even bother looking at my documents. It was just looking at me and asking me questions. The, I thought the interview was, let's check your documents, but the interview was more psychological. The guy was just asking me questions and I was answering, and based on my answers, he would decide if he was going to give me or not. It was on the spot. That whole conversation took maybe five or seven minutes, and on the spot, the man decided to give me. Hallelujah. But this other one I'm talking about, so the, I think it was a lady said, where's this here? Where's that here? Where's this here? So, so then she got last one. Where's this one? Like, what is that? She said, this particular document, I'm like, I'm not aware. Nobody mentioned. There is nothing on your website that, you know, Queen's English. There's nothing on your doc- website that says, um, this. So my friend, without that document, we cannot go further. So he says, okay, go and process it and come back in and bring it when you finish. So it took me about two weeks to get the document and then I went back and as I was approaching the embassy, there was this huge notice on the door. Uh, Visas have closed for this year, come back next year. Like, ah! (laughs) The blood of Jesus. I was here two weeks ago. And so, and then I stood there and you know, people would come, read the notice, go back. Read, go back, read, go back. So I called dad and said, excuse me, sir. Uh, according to these people, visas finished, come back. And I said, he said, okay, wait, I'll call you back. So I waited, I waited and waited and waited. And then he called back and said, oh, by the way, stay there. To do what now? Stay there. Okay, sir. Uh, so I stayed. And when it was closing time, I had gotten there around like eight in the morning. So that I could quickly be at the end of the queue. So I stayed until maybe like four thirty, and I saw the the you know all those limo of the consular leave. So I called that and said, "Well, the consular has left." He said, "Okay, go back to where you stayed. Tomorrow morning, come back." Okay. So we went back tomorrow morning. The next morning, went back and stayed there again. Eight o'clock, stayed there again. People will come read the notice. Go like, ah. you know, the funny thing is around. 2 p.m. around 1 2 p.m. that day, one of the security guys came and said, Oga, you stood here yesterday. You are still here today. Are you blind? I know. So why are you staying here? My father said I should stay here. Guy looked at me for a long time. The man had no comment. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's unusual for our people to not have comment. If they don't have comment, it means that what they want to say, if they say it. So the man went, went back inside. Then he came back after, after about 45 minutes and said, look, you staying here is not going to help you. This was Lagos. But if you go to Abuja, they might be able to help you. And so I called that and said, the man said, my will to help me. So I ran from Lagos to the airport, straight to Abuja. I got to Abuja that day. I, and all that. Anyway, long story short, that story is very long. But one of the key things in that story is that the foolishness of spiritual things. Because even when I got to Abuja, somebody, they said I should go and ask for a specific person. I got to the security man and said, I'm looking for this person. And I insisted, and the person said, are you an idiot? There is nobody by that name in this building. When the man was frustrated, he went to bring out the time book. So here is the time book. Look for the name yourself. 
and honestly, the name was not there. But somehow, somehow, in while I was insisting, the guy went inside and said, I'm looking for so, 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 and so. My friend, it's not everybody that works in a place that their name is in the time book. <laughs> Some people are bigger than the time book. Some people are. Eventually, I got in, And as I got in, you know, God is, hey, God is good, though. You should trust him. As I walked in, it was so, it was so fun that as I walked in like this, the consular general was walking this way. Like we just met in the middle of the corridor and said, young man, what are you looking for? Ah, excuse me, man, it's you I'm looking for. <laughs> you understand? That it was at the point I'd, I'd been there since, it was at the point I actually managed to get in that the consular herself came out and met me in the corridor and said, what are you looking for? She didn't have to talk to me. She didn't have to greet. If she, she could have just been going where she was going, but she, young man, what are you looking for? Excuse me, I'm looking. I want to go and do this. And then she looked at me. She said, what? She looked at me, looked at what I said I wanted to go and I was like, you? I said, yes, me. So he said, okay, bring your documents. Let me see. And then she looked at her. And then she was like, oh, okay, fine. Follow me. Okay, this, this, is. Um, she checked at my documents herself and said, go and pay. And then I got to where I was going to pay. That was another. Anyway, bottom line is, Sometimes we, we have to be ready to look as foolish as possible. That is how the people I the, the way I met that woman, I would not have met her at all. I would not have gotten anywhere near her because you would think she was in Lagos. But I, you know, at the time, she was in Lagos. So maybe that evening herself, she found her way to Abuja and had gone there to wait for me. But if I didn't get to the gate man and piss the guy off, I said, there is somebody by that name. He said, but that is the foolishness of spiritual things. And the other thing is that many times people don't think things are spiritual because it is playing out in a certain way in the physical. But you must know, there's nothing that plays out in the physical that does not have a spiritual dimension. It is only children of God that approach life as if it's normal. As if it's just a natural thing. It is not normal that your boss likes you. There is an anointing for favor on you that you carried into the place that made them like you. I was where, I, I, you know, a place that I, I'm working, it was amazing that, I've, that some years ago I applied to the same place at a lower level. And they came back and said, yeah, sorry, you have not been successful. We are, we found better candidates than you. You understand? You understand? But now it is not that much. I'm, I'm like, if I had gotten in at that place, it would have been much more difficult to get to this place. So God knew that about some years ago. God knew that. So when I applied, he made sure that nobody cared for all my grammar. Such so that eventually when I would get there, I now got in at a point that was two about two about two levels higher than where I would have been. And knowing now that now understanding the way progression works there, I now understood that oh my God was doing me a favor. Believe me, about three years ago it did not look like a favor. It looked nothing like favor, but it was. 
And many times that is how spiritual things work. That it doesn't even look at all like, like ah, 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 ah. you know. Sometimes you you. I'm not saying we should be pri- full of pride. I understand, but sometimes there is a there is this healthy sense of self worth that every person must have. You understand? There is there is a sense of self worth that you must have as a person, as Jesus, as someone that Jesus died for, as somebody that has gone through certain experiences, maybe academic experiences, for example, such that you you cannot just accept to be treated in a certain way, not because you are trying to shake your certificate in front of everybody, but because you know who you are. For example, one time I, I, I was doing um, research and I wanted to, I needed a particular protocol. And my, my supervisor said, why don't you email the man that wrote the protocol so he can send it to you? Like, can you even do that? She said, yes. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I emailed the guy and I finished and I went with, uh, you know, when you say something like, hi, hi, Johnson. This, this, and that. So I emailed. <laughs> and then <laughs> nothing happened. No reply. So I went to my boss after a week. I was like, well, I've emailed the guy. The guy didn't reply. And she said, what did you, how did you address him? I said, hi, Johnson. Yeah. Mm. The man is an emeritus professor. Uh. <laughs> but, be, but because she was first name basis with him, I also now went and said, hi, so I went back to my email and said, Dear Professor, <laughs> from I I have a number one. You know, that is where you highlight your point. Number one, I am deeply <laughs> deeply sorry. I apologize. You know, he sent me the protocol in less than five minutes. I'm telling you, that email went, I went to eat, I came back. By the time I came back, the reply had come with the protocol I was looking for. So I'm sure the man saw the first one and was like, this one is not serious. (laughs) 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 This this, this one, you are not ready. (laughs) You are not ready. So you see, you know, in our normal life, and so now, many people I work with, uh, you know, first name basis, first name basis, but when I need to address them either outside or I need to address them in front of an outsider. Then it is their professor, this, their doctor, this, their... You understand? Because that is who they are. You cannot... If you will call them first name basis, you must be eh? You must be their mate. If you are not, my friend, don't even... But the same way is also when you write external emails, for example, to someone... This, this, you know, your email signature. Normally, when you write to other people, you just but because of your healthy sense of self worth, and number two, because there needs to be an identification of you with the people you are working with, you need to put a signature. It is you are not doing yourself a favor by sending external emails and not putting your signature. Um, Israel on a day, comma, uh, PhD, this, 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 this. It, it is not arrogance. It is a measure of who you are. You are that person. Pride is when you elevate yourself beyond your station. You are not beyond your station if you have the certificate to prove the thing you are claiming. 
You understand? So have that level of self-confidence and self-worth. This is who I am. This is what God has made of me. You have to accept it because it is not pride. It is not arrogance. It is who God has made me. But also, coming back to 1 Corinthians 2, there is a foolishness side of the things of God. Have you thought about it? You walk to somebody and say, you better accept Jesus because... hmm, Jesus loves you so much, he died for you 2,000 years ago. And the best, the first, first answer is that I wasn't even born 2,000 years ago. <laughs> what concerns me? You understand? So there is that side of it, but the power that, but have you thought of it, the power that backs the word you speak, so that when you are finished saying it, the person is not laughing in your face. They are, you can actually see in their face that something is happening in their mind. In their mind, in their mind, in their mind. So it is beyond the words you have said. It is it is the power that backs the word that you have said. So the, so we said number one, they cannot receive because they think it's foolishness. Number two is that they cannot know because those things are spiritually discerned. The knowing of faith is knowing by the spirit. It is not just theoretical knowledge. The Bible won't work for me just because I can quote it. Scriptures don't work just because you can quote them. If you did CRK in, in, in primary school or second, there's a good chance you have an healthy dose of scripture in your you, you have an understanding of God if you did it academically. Because if it is by theoretical knowledge, then the greatest ministers of God should be theolo- people that did PhD theology. Because they are, you know what it means to have a PhD in theology? You have considered it in both the Greek and the Latin and the Aramaic and you have concluded that this is what it says. And yet many of these people turn around and do not even serve the God that they got a PhD in studying. That is to tell you that you cannot know God just by the book. The book is a pointer to God. The Bible is a good illustration of the person that of God, but the Bible is not the complete description of who God is. You understand me? For everything that we need to relate with God now, the Bible gives that description of that side of God. But there are multiples. How God administrates his dimensions, the other dimensions, do we are they written here? How God does, how God, the sons of God that administer other galaxies, are they written here? But won't we, we, but eventually we will know because when we see him, we will be like him. So the, 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 the Bible is that, if you know, you, you, when you start school, they say, here's the scope of, of, of study or something like this. These are the topics that we are going to cover. The Bible is that scope of God. It is not all of God. But the things that we need to live a victorious life here, you will find those things in your Bible. So that's why sometimes it is said that before you are asking God for ah this that, uh, what is happening in other dimensions, have you finished exploring the one he gave you? And it's, in, it's so typical of humans. They say that about 70% of the ocean remains unexplored. But, you know, in typical human fashion, we are trying to go to space. The ocean that is next to us, that is, the world that is 70% ocean, everything that is there, we've not even seen up to 70% of it, but we want to go and be looking outside, outside when we have not finished looking 
insight. And that is what it is also about the things of God. The, if we, we, until we explore the Bible back to back, back to back, you know, you can, <laughs> that's why you read your scriptures and you, you, are, you are surprised like, is this verse even here? How many of you has it happened to before? You've, you know you've read that passage multiple times until one day you read and you're like, is this verse here? Are you telling me I've been reading it, but I've not understood it? That is how most of the Bible is to many children of God. Read, 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 read. But the reading is not inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's not guided by the Holy Ghost. So they do not get the maximum that they should from the study of the scriptures. That's why when you study scriptures, one of the things you should do is actually ask the Holy Ghost for help. Don't just pick it as if you are reading a novel. Ask the Holy Ghost. If you can, if you have the time, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. When you've prayed in the Spirit for a while, then pick the Bible and start reading. And don't be afraid to ask questions, you know. I, I've been thinking of this one that... How come that, you know, Acts, the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost came upon them. They started preaching with boldness. Then they ended up in front of the Pharisees and all the, all the religious leaders. And the Bible says they came back. I think it's Acts 4. They came back and they came back to pray and they were praying for boldness. And I was asking, like, why are they praying for boldness? Isn't it that the, isn't it, they were basically hiding in an upper room? And then the Holy Ghost came, and they became so bold, they came outside, preached, and 3,000 people got converted in one go. How come the, old, the prayer they are praying again is not the prayer of boldness? And you know, for a while I'd been thinking about it, and this morning, I was just getting ready for, for, for church, and then it just came to me like, why did they pray for boldness? Because there are layers to things in the Spirit. Mike Tyson said that, that man, at least this one is wisdom. He said that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You've not heard it before. You know it's true. You 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 want to go into a boxing context and you've already planned, okay, I'm going to manage my energy in round one, round two. Because from based on that guy's other fights, by the time he gets to round seven, he starts getting a bit tired. So around round six, that's how they do it. Around round six or round seven, I'm going to try to go for the knockout. So you see them boxing as if they are playing. And then suddenly, towards the end of the round, somebody decides to go crazy and just punch the living daylight out and then sparks the person and the person is out. Win by knockout. But Mike Tyson said that everybody has a plan. Until somebody punches you in a way you didn't expect, suddenly your plan goes out the window because you realize that if he punches you like that again, you will pass out and the person will win. You understand? <laughs> Hallelujah. So it, it's, it's, I forgot even what I was saying that made me go talk about Mike Tyson now. But yeah, boldness. There are levels to boldness. Thank you. There are, there are, um, levels to many things in the spirit they had the boldness they had was enough for them to stand before the people remember the people they stood before were you know foreigners and jews and all that the some of the five thousand that had the food of that jesus gave were there the people jesus healed were there so when peter stood up he was addressing people that jesus ministered to so in a way, he could speak to them. He could rebuke them. Yeah, Jesus, you people crucified and all that. But 
by the time they got to her, that place they were praying for boldness, they were coming back from facing the same, the people that now killed the Jesus they were preaching about. That was a different level of opposition. I don't know if you understand me. The first people were regular people. But now, the ones that took your own, the Jesus that you are talking about, the, one, the people that took him and nailed him and killed him, now you are standing in front of them and they have a problem with you. You might need <laughs> another level of boldness to stand before them and still proclaim the same Jesus, knowing that it can quickly get you killed like it got Jesus killed. That's why when they went back, they said, Oh Lord, uh, we, we, met, we met our enemies today. We met the people that killed Jesus today. <laughs> please, please, please give me confidence. And you know sometimes it's like that. It's easier to, to be confident in the midst of people you know very well. And then you get to a strange place and you need to give a presentation or you need to preach the gospel or the Holy Spirit is pushing you saying, preach on the bus, preach on the bus. And you look at everybody's faces and everybody's look like they can slap you if you see if you misspeak. The Holy Ghost is saying, do it, do that. Like, no, <laughs> no. So that's why we would need another layer of boldness, another layer of grace, another layer of of help and it's the same thing in our natural life that the natural life would always try to interfere with our spiritual life because many times it's not that we don't have an idea of what god wants many of us have have engaged with god long enough to have at least an idea of what is right from god's perspective or what is wrong what happens is that sometimes that thing that god is nudging you to towards is illogical it doesn't make much sense it doesn't, it's not too, like, ah. and then you start to argue, like, am I sure it's not my mind that is, is, that is making me do this? But it's not your mind, it's the Holy Ghost. One of the ways to know it's the Holy Ghost is that the Holy Ghost will never ask you to, to do, the Holy, the, the Holy Ghost would always ask you to do things that would advance its purpose in your life. There is no way Satan would ask you to do something that will advance the purpose of God for you. Satan will not. So if if somebody is nudging you to pray, it is not the devil. Satan will never nudge you to pray. Satan will never ask you to give God one penny. So when those things are coming to your mind, pray, study. Give that person. Call that person and ask if they are okay. Pray for that person. Do this. Do that. Just know it is not... You don't need to pray, God, is that you? Satan will never say it. Because if he say, if you do those things, they are enhancing your spiritual life. And Satan is not trying to enhance your spiritual life. He's trying to destroy it. So the devil will never... Anytime a good thought comes to your heart, comes to anything that advances God, one of the litmus tests of is it God, is it the devil, is that does this contribute to the advancement of the kingdom of God or does it not? If it does, it's God. If it is not, it is the devil. Simple. So just ask like that and then you quickly know we're speaking. So when, of course, when, when... when sin comes to your heart, then you also know that uh, this is not the Holy Ghost is not going to encourage such madness. He's going to 
is not going to. Hallelujah. But like I said, that knowing scriptures goes beyond just the, the literal understanding to the experience. For example, how do you know that John 3.16 is true? How do you know? What does John 3.16 say? Say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How do you know you have everlasting life? How do you know? Hmm? One of the ways you know is because of Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself bears record, witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there is something on the inside that convinces you that the eternal life spoken about in John 3.16 is actually true in your life. So you realize that a scripture is illuminated by another scripture. Is illuminated by another scripture. Is illuminated by another scripture. There is always another side of the Bible that validates what one side of the Bible is telling you. There is always a description of what is supposed to happen. There is a description of what you are, how you are, what you are supposed to or experience to tell you that what that other side says is real. So you know you have eternal life because according to Romans, the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit. So there is that conviction inside you that you have eternal life. That's why the Bible says no scripture is capable of private interpretation. If you find the scripture, there is no orphan verse or chapter in the Bible. You know, I, I, I read quite a lot of things and, and, and one of the arguments that people have against, uh, against um, theologically is that uh, Isaiah said that Jesus would be called Emmanuel. You know, says that his son, his son will be born and his name will be called Emmanuel. He said, but when Jesus came, why didn't they call him Emmanuel? They called him Jesus. That means the God lied. And that's yeah, that is one of the arguments of 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 all these anti all these theological arguments and all that. The Isaiah clearly said his name would be Emmanuel. How come his name? Is Jesus. That is where the understanding of scripture comes in. Because the definition of Emmanuel is God with us. So they were expecting the literal fulfillment, whereas God was using the name Emmanuel to describe who the person Jesus is. That is how people miss Jesus. You know that the religious leaders of the day, it wasn't that they were unaware of the fact that Jesus was born. You understand that? Because they were the ones that checked the scriptures and they were the ones that told Herod that, oh, this is where the king would be born. And the Magi came and said, we have seen a star in the east. Who should be the king? So they had an idea that the king had been born. It's just that because of the way they interpreted it, the literal expectation that they were looking for, that when that king comes, he's going to come and deliver them from the Roman rule. So because that was what was uppermost on their heart, they missed the manifestation of the king. Such that even the disciples of Jesus were caught up in all of those. So that in the book of Acts, when they were saying, ah, will you... Jesus is as resurrected as God. Will you at this time restore to us the kingdom? Ah. Of all the things that bothered them, like you have done all this, or you have died, you have risen. Congratulations. Will you at this time restore to us the kingdom of Israel? 
You understand? So if 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 that was how concerned the disciples were, as close to Jesus with all the things they saw, how how, how did you think that the other people, the religious leaders, how concerned did you think they were of the Roman rule? You know, I was you know, have you ever wondered why Pilate through uh, Pilate said that this man is innocent. There is no reason. To Why do you think he eventually killed him? You know, <laughs> you know. They said they said if you don't kill Jesus, then you are not a friend of Caesar. You know what they said that because they knew that historically speaking, Pilate was in a precarious situation with Caesar, and they knew that if if they went to report him one time, Pilate was finished. Because they knew that. That was why they made that statement. Because what is Caesar's business in this matter? Caesar was in Rome. You know? Caesar is in Rome. They are in the land of Israel. And they are saying, if you don't crucify this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. So Pilate crucified an innocent man to save his own political career. You know, when the Bible says that um, children will give up their parents, parents will give up their children, may we never get into situations and circumstances where they say, choose between yourself and that person. It's easy to say, ah, you will die for the person. <laughs> but when they show you a video of the other people that, <laughs> that they killed, there is a chance you might rethink, you might rethink that situation. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So he, I said I gave the example of those scriptures because each scripture you, each scripture you experience strengthens your conviction about the next one. So the 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 way Scripture blesses us is when our conviction about God is strengthened. Otherwise, we have just learnt it for this. You have just. You can just recite it for the sake of recitation. It must strengthen your conviction about God. It must strengthen your conviction so that you think of it. If this scripture strengthens that scripture in your mind and strengthens that scripture in your mind, that is how you build a mesh of faith over your heart such that there are many scriptures that have piled up, that have piled up, that have contributed to your standing now. Such that there's a scripture about healing that you, you, you understand because you have experienced. Such that there's another scripture about giving and receiving that you have experienced. So that they are standing side by side, guarding your heart. So that if somebody attacks giving, there is, a, there is an experience of giving and receiving you, already, you have that will fight against what that person is saying. If, God is, if somebody else comes and says, there is no God. If, if somebody tries to convince any of you here that there is no God, there's a good chance that you might not have the theological, you might not have the, theologi- the, the, in, the, the, the theological vocabulary to argue with that person. You understand me? For example, there are many things. If, if some people say there's no God, others say there's God, and everybody starts to bring their reason. Some say there's no God because everything happened. What are the chances that everything happened the way it happened in the perfect order that it happened without nobody manning it? Because if everything is capable of happening so perfectly that one big bang led to this planet and that planet and that planet and that planet, how come we are not now seeing? You know, one of the follies of the, what's this other theory, of evolution theory, is that this gave back to this, this one became this, this one. 
without a single shred of evidence. Nothing, since that theory was propounded, nothing has been proven to change. Have you seen a monkey become human before? We are still waiting. Even, even, not even single-celled organisms have become multicellular. And if, if it doesn't happen at that level, is it not going to happen at the complex level of mammals and primates? It's not going to happen. But you know, I, I, you know what scientists said? The reason, I, I read this quote, and the person was saying, the reason they accept the theory of evolution is not because it is true. It is because the alternative is improbable. It, was it the word improbable? It said because the alternative is, is something they do not want to contemplate. So the reason they would go with the stupidity of evolution, even when they have no proof, is because they know that if they don't take it, then the only alternative is that they will say there is a God. And if there is a God, it will mean they are responsible and it's going to ask questions. So if we say there is no God, that means there is nobody to answer to. So everybody now says, they now say, do what thou wilt. Do, don't jump people to say do what that will, because do what that wilt is a satanic principle. Do what you want. Is satanic. There is nobody you cannot you, you don't have a child and tell the child to do what they want. So if your child pulls, you say do what the child pulls and takes the poo and rubs it on your TV, you will say, Well done, that good and faithful sir. Do what you want, climb the stairs, jump down, do what you want. Is that what you will do? Do what you want doesn't work. There is a reason there is law and order. There's a reason we have judges and police and prison cells. Because do what you want. If you say do what you want, you only God knows the depth of the depravity of man. Hmm. I, was reading, I was listening to the news one time and this lady escaped from captivity from a man. I think there was two of them. The man kept them in that house for almost 18 years. In one house. You've read, you saw the story. So I'm not making it up. They, they, they sealed the house in a way that nobody can look, can see from outside. Everybody thought that maybe those kids, you know, you know, over 18 years, neighbors will change. There will be people that knew those kids that had moved or died. There are people that moved into that area who never saw those kids. So they don't even know that there are people living in that house. And that man had them in the house for 18 years. That wasn't the only thing he did. He would sleep with them. They got pregnant. <laughs> Maybe the child died in the house. All sorts of. That eventually, somehow, they escaped. when they escaped, they, their cognitive function was not even that great because they are not related to with people for years. Human being, you could imprison somebody. You cannot tell to the extent the extent to which man. Uh, if they said, if if they said, if you say do whatever you want, then you can then you cannot blame Hitler for killing six million people. If you said do yes, he killed six million people. I mean, he killed he killed <laughs> only God systematically killed six million people, Christians, all sorts. He killed. He even killed Germans because at some point he was trying to purify their race. So if you are one, if you have one high, you're a goner. If your one leg was missing, you're a dead man. 
Because man was trying to cleanse his own people. So because man is not man is it is it is the law of the devil to to say man was built to be sufficient in himself and God already dealt with that matter in Genesis one, because God was saying to, God came with instructions for man. Man is a vast island, but you have to be possessed by something. Either God is you are possessed of God, or the devil is ruling over you. It is one or the other. You are not created to make your own rules. You don't get to make your decisions. You get what the only choice a man has is the choice of whom to serve. That's the only choice you have. Whom you serve. Once you have chosen which side you want to be on, do yourself a favor. Be a pro at this at what you have chosen. If you have chosen God's side, go to the maximum length possible with God. Do your absolute best for God. If you have chosen the devil's side, choose it well. Do it well. Was it Mussolini that was saying that <laughs> that what his goal is to match people to hell and walk behind them smiling? You don't understand. The man already knew where he was going. And he had made peace with it. So the question was not whether he would go to heaven or hell. The question was how many people can he drag to hell? So he, you understand? So when people on the demonic dark side do that, children of God cannot afford to be coasting. Um, Tim posted um, a graphic on his on his WhatsApp status about churches and uh, an endowment fund. You see, some of those those churches we pray against. You see how much money they have. Thirty billion dollars, fifty billion dollars. It was in billions and billions of dollars. But then you you look deeper, and some of them you realize that some of these established actors and powerful people are members. And those people, those churches dictate to those people how to live their life. You've, I'm not going to mention that, but you can check out some celebrities. Some of them have left their wives because that church said so. Some of them have not seen their children in 10 years because that church said so. It's a cult, obviously, but 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 the, the, the reason they were able to amass that kind of wealth is because of the undivided, undiluted devotion of the people they follow. I was reading about one of these popular secular artists and the way she prepares for concerts. So one of the ways she's able to hold those high notes for that long is that she, she has a trainer. She runs five kilometers. And the training is that she's running and singing. You understand me? So she's going to run five kilometers every morning. And while she's running, she's, she's holding hype. You know the stress running puts on you. Had it to having to hold notes for that long. That's why when she's now doing tour of Europe, she can do London today, Australia tomorrow, New Zealand next tomorrow, Germany. She can do 18 cities in Europe in one month and her voice would not crack. Because 
every day she does five. That dedication, and then Satan now comes and says, I can give you the whole world. Normally speaking, without Satan's offering, should that kind of dedication not put you on the map anyway? Then Satan now comes and says, let me amplify this. So if, if they do that, you see, you see footballers, you see the way they train. See the way they train. I was, I, was, I was checking out a few things about Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo one time. <laughs> the dedication. Man does not drink alcohol. Man does not have a single tattoo so he can donate blood. Man has a chef. Man has an oxygen chamber in his house. Man has a dedicated gym. Many of the people decided playing football together. If you saw them to, next to each other, you would think they gave back to him. He's old now. 36, 37. And he's still playing. Even if he's playing at a less league. The fact is he's still playing. Where is Rooney? Many of them had... I was showing, I was showing my wife a, a footballer. Online. I was like, ah, do you know this player? There was uh, his name is Ricardo Quaresma. Do you know Quaresma? <laughs> How many of you think Quaresma was more talented than Ronaldo? He was more skillful than Ronaldo. I remember because when Portugal was playing, Ronaldo would play one wing, Quaresma would be on the other. They looked so similar. And Quaresma was so skillful and who ate all the pies? Quaresma. <laughs> you understand? So you see them, many of those guys are even so retired long ago, they've forgotten they played football, but there is someone, regardless of what people think of the dedication to wake up every day and do the same thing. Is it that he doesn't know how to shoot a ball? But why, why does he still wake up every day to do it? Why do they say wake up every morning to pray? Is it because you didn't pray yesterday? Why do you have to listen to the Old Testament over, New Testament over and over and over? Even you, you listened to it two weeks ago. Why do you have to read scriptures over and over and over and over? Because there is, there is, there is. When people say the person is an expert, what they are saying many times is the person has engaged with that matter long enough. They have the ins and the outs. They have figured it out. So in a way, there is, there is mastery. What people call mastery sometimes is just repetition. You repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it until you now come. You, you had all those lectures that will come to you and do not bring notes. How did they do it? You think it was his father that wrote the notes. Many times over the years, because he, has, he taught you with the book he used in his own secondary school. So he has gone through that book maybe, and he has taught how many years. So he doesn't need to bring the book anymore. He is the book. Literally, now is the book. That's what we are supposed to be with scriptures and with prayers. We are supposed to be the book. The Bible says we are the epistle that people read. How do you become an epistle that people read? It is that when they see you, uh, they saw them and they took note that these ones are illiterate. Like, hmm, they had been with Jesus. What did they see? What did Jesus, there is no record that Jesus went to Antioch. Yet, it was the people at Antioch that said, hmm, sons. They look like Jesus. They look like Christ. Let's call them Christians. What did they do? They had heard of Jesus. Some of them, maybe they've seen, they traveled to Jerusalem and saw Jesus and took back. Ah, we met a man. It's like this is like this is like that. And then this one came and like, see that man I was telling you about. They are behaving. They are behaving like him. They look like him. They talk like him. They walk like him. They do miracles like him. They do signs and wonders like him. They are, they speak with the sense of authority, like him. 
we must be we must get to that place where you are confident in speaking about God with authority. I'm not saying get to that point where you can argue. You, there is no basis for argument. But that the thing you are saying, you are saying it because you know it like the back of your hand. They don't need to agree. But that they will not. You know the people that crucified, that, that stoned Stephen didn't stone him because they faulted his logic. His logic could not be faulted. Go and read the, hey, Stephen, that man spoke like somebody that knew he was going to. He knew that this was going to say, when he finished saying they will kill him. You know Jesus was like that. Jesus spoke. There was a time, he's, when Jesus knew that it was almost time to die, he now started giving it to them one by one. He rebuked everybody. You, you, like, it was almost like committing suicide because you know that these things you have said now, they will want you, they will want you to die, sir. So you go and read what Stephen said. Rebuke that you stiff-necked people like your fathers. Said when he said it, he knew that death had come. And he was not bothered. But they could not argue with the wisdom with which he spoke. Let it be. That no, they will not be able to hug when you say Jesus, they will not be able to hug you with the Jesus you are talking about. Whether it is that you describe him, because we say we speak wisdom among them that are mature. So there is a time where you bring Jesus in a logical manner because Jesus makes perfect sense. Is that many times people don't want to accept that kind of logic because they have their own kind of logic, but there is a God kind of logic that makes perfect sense, and then. When you have done wisdom, if it is now that, let them see that they might believe. The structure of the scripture is that you believe and you see. But where to actually start from? The basis of that is that at some point you would have seen to have believed. And then that you grow to a place where you don't have to anymore see before you believe because you know that if you believe even though you have not seen you will eventually see what you are believing for you understand me so the other disciples jesus came and appeared and then thomas was not there and then thomas turned there ah we saw the lord we saw the lord and and thomas was like no way until i see the nails and i put my hand and i won't believe Jesus didn't say because of that I won't turn up again. Jesus turned up. But when he did, he said, Thomas, see. He said you wanted to see. See. Now you have seen. And then he went on to rebuke him and say, blessed are those that do not see, but yet believe. But did Thomas not see? And after seeing, he grew the conviction that he didn't need to keep seeing. So that eventually he was killed in India. His grave is there. You know what it means to find your way from the Middle East to India? You know what it means? You know the kind of strength of conviction that he had. That he, was, he kept going and kept going until he ended up in India. And then he died there. But there was a point in his life when he needed to see, to believe. So sometimes God takes that one step down and says, okay, fine. God is always interested in convincing us anyway. So that when you are now convinced of him, he doesn't need to show you. He just needs to tell you. When it wants, so that you get to a point where what he said is as good to you as what he's doing. So when God says it, it becomes to you, it is done. It is done. Why? Not because you can see it, but because God said so. 
So God will give us, you know, instances, prove his faithfulness, instances to prove it, such that it now gets to that point where even when it's not looking like God is around, you know, as when we first get born again, many times you pray five prayers, God will answer six, you know, and then after a while you pray ten, God will answer seven. Then maybe at some point, at some point you pray twelve, God will answer two and leave you with the rest. It's not because sometimes you pray 15 and God wants any of the 15. Not because God does not like you. But many times it is sometimes a proof of do you trust me? Do you trust me? Even if it's not looking like, even if it looks like your life is going downhill and it looks like, hey, this is not happening. Do you trust me? I saw a testimony recently of a man and a woman that had, I think, two tri- twins or triplets. Man was 62, woman was 60. Do you trust him? And they were giving glory to God. And like, Do you trust him? When it looks like, hey, hmm, nature is passing me by, life is passing me by, do you trust them? This thing is not working. This is not how I envisioned it. Do you trust them? Can you believe when you have not seen can you believe when he's not looking anywhere near it? I will never forget. I was telling my wife yesterday that, um, you know, I, I, I had a vision. And in that vision, God said a number of things about us and our finances. And I remember and I told her and we were all excited like, yes, hallelujah. <laughs> and then like a few days later, I lost my job. And I'm like... Um, what you said uh, are what we are looking at. They don't, they don't look anywhere. <laughs> what are you talking about? You understand? Sometimes it's like that. Like what you, what you God has said, and what, and what you are seeing, they are like. Not even that. What do they call that thing? That ne- in physics, two th- parallels that will never meet. My friend, they will meet because God, if you are looking for the light bender, it is God that is the line. They, whether it's parallel line or it's like God is the one that will bend it to, they will eventually meet. It doesn't matter. They look like they don't meet now. You, God has spoken to you about something and you're expecting it that, oh my God, this thing, when the manifestation comes, it's going to be loud and then there's no manifestation. Year one, year two. Sometimes you go back to your diary. You open like, I wasn't dreaming. I wrote this thing down. So it's not like I didn't make it up. See, I wrote it down and the paper is almost fading. Like The paper might be fading. The God who said it does not fade. And if he said it, he will do it. If, he's, if it was God that said it, you're a, the biggest concern, that's why I said that the biggest concern of a child of God is to hear that God said it. That's why you pray. You pray until God says something. As long as God has not said anything, don't keep quiet. You, your, your prayer is not, Lord, I thank you because of this, this, and in Jesus' name, amen. And you walk away. Has God spoken? If God has not spoken, your prayer has not finished. You will, you will pray it until God says something. Whether he says it by quickening a scripture to you, whether he says it by you know speaking to your heart, 
God will shall say something or respond in one way. Once he has responded, it's done. Then the place of faith and thanksgiving take kicks in like God has spoken. I don't need to start asking. He has, if he has said it, if if you so for example, you are trusting God for a baby. What to do is to pray until God says something about the baby. Once God now says, I'm going to give you a son. You know, Anna was in the temple praying. Prayed and prayed and prayed and until he liked it. But once he liked said, ah, be it unto you according to your request. The Bible says her countenance changed. She washed her face. She gave thanks to God. I went to it. If she had stayed there praying like you are... No. So you 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 say it. But it says ask until your joy is full. If your joy is not full, you don't keep quiet. Lord, I thank you for this much that you have done, but this was not what we said. You 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 said I will lend to nations and not borrow. It's not now that I'm not owing money. I still don't have enough to lend to nations and not borrow. So we are Thank you because I'm not owing anybody money. But no, I have to be lending to nations, which means I have to have businesses. I have to be bigger than I am. So you don't keep quiet just because there is a level of prosperity you have seen. You don't keep quiet because there's a level of the anointing you have seen. You can lay hands on people and they recover. God can trust you with this. God can say pray for that person. You pray for the person, something happens. It's not the end of it. Is not the end of it. There are there will always be greater and greater and greater and greater things. So we don't stop if until your joy is full. If you determine that this level of joy that you have is enough, feel free to camp there. But you know what happens to people that camp in a place in spiritual things? Evil overtakes them. Anybody that camps at a spiritual level, things will catch you. Not only people coming behind you will overtake you. It is when people camp that evil catches them where they are camping. You cannot camp behind one revelation. I was, you know, the other thing was just bringing to my mind, like, all of us know, like, Reverend Kenneth Egan, for example, you know how great his revelation of faith was. But do you know that he himself didn't consider himself a man of faith in the level of someone like what's the, of Smith Wigglesworth? He will say, Smith Wigglesworth has raised 15, raised 15 dead people to life. That is 15 more than me. He finally did raise, I think, one or two or so from the dead. But, you know, even though you say Kennedy again, he, he understood that there was somebody else somewhere who was not educated at all. You know, Smith Wilkinson was not even educated. He was a plumber. He was a plumber. But the fact that he was a plumber made, made it easier for him to believe. He would just believe, and that's it. So I was like, ah, what kind of human being was Smith Wigglesworth. So I went to check. And one day I was listening to, uh, what's the name of this servant of God now? Uh, forgotten his name now. No, not Toza. It was someone that was mentored by Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, I can't remember his name now. If I remember, I'll tell you. Yeah? But it was one that was now saying, he said as a young man, he went to Smith Wigglesworth's house and he was holding a newspaper. And he, you know, he knocked it and was waiting outside. And the man came out and, and looked at him and said, what are you holding? I said, newspaper, sir. 
you don't bring that in here. The man was like, you never bring that into my house. The only thing that enters this house is the word of God. It was that kind of human being. No TV, no news, nothing. The only thing Smith Wiggles knew was his Bible. That was all. So the man, he structured his life in such a way that two, four, seven, it was God and God alone. Yet when he leaves that house and he sees a dead man, that's the last day the person is dead, at least for that time, before the person dies again at 92. You understand? But there were now things that he incorporated into his life that, made, that sustained that level of, of engagement with God. So when we get, yet, you, you see, there is, always, there is always more. No, you cannot camp and say, this is Ebenezer. Ebenezer what? Ebenezer what? Even in your career, if you camp at a spot, what happens to you? People that you interviewed, they become your boss. That's what happens if you camp at a spot. You don't. If you have the chance to move forward, do it. If you, if there is the chance that okay, if I do this, if I do this course and I do that course and I do that certification, I can get ahead. Don't sit down there waiting for God to come and say, "Oh, Paul, you need to write Kinnikana." My friend, it's not going to happen. But. God, God trusts all of us with enough sense. You understand me? If the gap is there, go through it. Isn't that what, what water does? That's what water does now. If there is a hole, water we enter. If there is a chance, take it. If, if the way you are looking at it, like, hmm, and there's a chance for me to step higher, the quest, next question is, what will it take? If you know what it will take and it is something that God can help you to do, do it. You never know. You never know. At one time, uh, I had finished uh, my PhD. I was just waiting to, for the reviewers to get back to me and all of that and all of that. I waited, my supervisor said, oh, there is this project that if you like to do, I will pay you. Like, well, I'm doing nothing, so... Why not? Now get paid in the process. I started doing it. And it involved, you know, doing some things and, you know, shipping it to um, people in Norway and all that. And it was just some collaborative effort like that. And I did. And it was funny that years later, I was maybe, was it doing an interview or something? And I referred to it. And there was someone on the panel that knew about that whole that whole thing that we were doing. You never know. You never know. So a child of God must always take opportunities to improve himself. Opportunities to improve your giving. I was telling God recently, oh God, I'm not reading the Bible the way I like it. Like, hey, I'm not reading the Bible. I was telling God, I'm not reading the Bible the way I want to. And the Holy Spirit said, well, how do you listen? So I'm like, okay. I started to do the analysis of how I listen. I have about three uh, music uh, players on my phone. This one is for if I need to repeat a certain amount. If I need to repeat a chapter, if I feel the need to 
listen to a chapter over and over and over again. I have the app for that one. I have one that I started from Genesis. I think we have got we have sure gotten somewhere. That one is there. So the day I need to continue my listening from Genesis to Revelation is that place I go. You get so I've kind of over time structured like okay, this is for New Testament only. This is for, so that I can stop somewhere, continue from where I stopped. And you understand? So I st- and then ah, why don't you do the same for your Bible reading? I'm like oh, you version is the one I use in church. So there's a good chance I'll be jumping around. So I can't. I'm like okay. Hmm, blue letter Bible. Hmm. Yes, okay. So let's use blue letter Bible. So we'll start. <laughs> if you if that system might work for you, it might not work for you. But what you will not do is tell God that it's because I didn't have time. That's why I didn't do it. You must find what works for you. Normally, the Bible tells us that Jesus rose up early to pray. But one of the reasons Jesus did that, apart from the fact that he wanted to speak to the Father, was because he knew that once he steps out, you know, Jesus, you know, somebody came to him and said, Oh, Master, I want, to he said, I want to follow. He said, My friend, Son of Man does not know where to lay his head. Think about it carefully. That is to say, the fact that Jesus woke up here today, <laughs> he might not come back to Capernaum for the next two weeks. In that time, he might not even sleep until 12. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us every single thing Jesus, the Apostle John said, if you were to write everything Jesus did, he, he reckoned that the whole world would not contain the volume of the books. So they all wrote the, 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 they wrote bits and pieces, wrote miracles in bits and pieces. It's not that that was all Jesus did. The number of lepers in the Bible is not the number of lepers Jesus healed. They just wrote us some because there was a point God was trying to make. There was that point. So also ourselves, so, so Jesus prayed very early. Okay, wake up, we we'll go and pray because by the time the day starts, they will not let him rest. They will not let him eat. You know, there was time he was saying that you people get into the boat and go because they had not eaten. Even the disciples were, they were not fasting, but they were not eating because there was so much to deal with. So in our own case, it might be that your morning is a struggle. Some of us, morning is struggle. How many of you sleep late? How many of you can stay up late? Like how late? So, so it's easy for you to stay up until 12. One. How many of you can wake up early? How many of you wake up early? How early do you wake up? Ah, 7.30 is not early. Okay, 7.30 is fine. It works for you. Who wakes up earlier than that? So you wake up, you can, it's easy for you to wake up by 5. It's easy for you to wake up by five. Who is it easy for you to wake up by four? That without fail, if you want to wake up by four every day for one week, you will do it and you will not. If I do it, you can do it. Ah. If I do it, I'm going to be talking like a zombie the rest of the week. <laughs> I can stay up late, but I can't really wake up early. I have tried. Believe me, I have tried. I have set my alarm. <laughs> me and the snooze button. We are friends. So. <laughs> no, you, you, you have to be honest. Because if you don't understand your own self, then you, you don't understand how you can find help. But it's easy for me to stay up late. I can easily stay up until 12. I can easily stay up until 2. If you call me by 2, there's a good chance... You, I might still answer your call because I've not slept. But 
<laughs> once I sleep, hey. So you know, so it's, it's easier like that. So I, so you know, when everybody goes to sleep inside, I just say, oh, I'm just going to be in the living room for a while, and then do the things I need to do. And then when I go to bed, wake up seven. It is it is what it is. But let it not be that you don't have your way with God. Because what then happens is that God God recognizes your patterns. God recognizes your patterns. God recog- because God understands our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So God understands your patterns. And God, God is, doesn't have a problem walking around your shadow. The problem is that your shadow keeps changing. So God cannot trust your shadow. That is, you understand me? That's the problem. God, God doesn't mind whether we talk, you talk in the morning or you talk before bed. The problem is that it is always changing. This week is in the morning, tomorrow is in the bed. Try it. Tell God that, okay, for the next 30 days, me and you, we are going to have a conversation by 10 p.m. every night, every day. You just try it and see what happens to you. Try it. If, you, if we can bring consistency into our spiritual principles. It is in consistency that the power is. I gave the example when I was speaking to the youth recently. If you, if you, you know those stabs that don't work well that some of all of us know very well. Those stabs that you get there and there's only one drop. You understand? But if you leave your bucket there and go to bed, by then you come tomorrow, won't you find enough water to shower? That is the power of consistency. Each effort doesn't look like a big deal until it is a big deal. It, a little crack in the foundation doesn't look like a big deal until the day that the whole building will fall. It is always, but that is also on the positive side. It, that, that little effort doesn't look like much to you until the day that the power will come. That's why I was telling us recently that if it is given, the day you've given a thousand, and the day you've given five naira, and the day you've given two pounds, and the day you didn't give at all, or everything, just think of it as a jar. That you're dropping one drop of water at a time. One drop of water. Sometimes it's a big drop, sometimes it's a tiny drop, but just be dropped. Sometimes you pour a cup, sometimes you pour a drop. The day will come, that jar will be full. That's why the Bible talks that the angels will take our incense and take it up to the, and offer it. Prayer is like incense, and they are collecting, and they are collecting, and they are collecting. And when it gets to a certain threshold, they offer it to the Lord, and God smells sweet-smelling silver, and God responds. So that the day God will respond, it will be a simple prayer you will pray. And you'll be wondering, ah, but I didn't, even, I didn't even speak in tongues. All I said was, Lord, please have mercy on this person. And that was all you said. And then great things happen for that person. And you think it's because of your small prayer. No, it is that you have been hiding and piling and piling and piling and piling. And that day was the day the dam broke. And you know the thing about the dam that breaks? It is forever open. Once it is broken, once that channel opens, it is forever open. Only you can now close it. Once you break through in the spirit such that certain things start to show up in your life. I was thinking about it recently that hmm, I can how how the little teaching I'm able to do, how did I get there? So I was because hmm, children of God, we have to be intentional. You knew when you left SS2 for SS3. You knew when you went from secondary school to university. You knew when you get you knew when you we can we should 
look to track our lives like that in this so that when you see that okay this looks like higher than it used to be how did i get there you might find that you'll be able to point to a certain event or a certain period of time that you did something that and then a few weeks or months down the line you realize that you've actually gone up a notch in the spirit if you can keep track of those things you would then what would happen to you is that you will know what you can do to always go up a level for some people it will be fasting you can say okay it was because i fast i remember one time that i decided i was going to fast so i decided i was going to do about 40 days so i did the 40 days and on the, nothing happened <laughs> you, you don't understand you, let, let, practically speaking so i did the 40 it's not like something spectacular happened one of the things that happened when i do spiritual practice is that it's just that i i, I just begin to understand bible the more that's one of these that just happens for me i suddenly a verse i understand the more is more like the gift of revelation and all of that but that i did the first nothing happened so i slept that night and in the dream that now came he looked at me i said my son this your fasting has not finished <laughs> that's what he said he said your fasting has not finished it remains eight more days uh-huh. So I woke up, like, oh my God. But I knew that was what God wanted. So I continued. I mean, I was planning to eat FT breakfast the next morning. So I continued and did the eight more days. And after eight days, I finished. So what happened was, at the, at the, that eighth day now, on top of everything, I was, I was so, my spirit was so high. I wanted to continue fasting so i told my wife i'm like she was asking me that okay now that fasting has finished what do you want to eat tomorrow i'm like i'm not eating let's let's continue fire so she was she was like, are you sure I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay fine continue so the next morning i woke up whoa my it was like i was going to die <laughs> it was like i would just die if i didn't eat that morning you know what happened? The grace for fasting had lifted. It has finished. If I continue, that's how people fast and die. And they will say it was fasting and they died. When the grace left, the, the, whatever else you were doing that was in the flesh. And you will just kill yourself. So around 8.30, I looked at her and I said, um, that, that, that breakfast we were... <laughs> That, that, that was that was turning up my nose too. Can I? Uh, you know, she made it though. She laughed at me. <laughs> but but after that, you can I can kind of say okay. After all that exercise, what happened? Okay, okay, this happened. That happened. After I can I can give you instances. I can give you instances. There was some years ago. I was doing some spiritual exercise like that, and. I saw a vision, and in the vision, I was at the headquarters on the altar, and it was me. I, I felt like, why is this church empty? Then it was myself and dad. Because you must know where you collected certain things from. 
And you understand? So it was me and him. And I knelt. I, I, I know that spot on the altar. I knelt there and he prayed. He put his two hands on my head and he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. That prayer, even in the vision, I was thinking that this prayer is so long. That, you understand? That's how long it was. That I was like, ah, this prayer is so long. Ago. So he prayed and prayed and prayed. And when he finished, he now said, it's okay. And then I realized that I wasn't the only one standing there. I realized that that Yarugun was standing next to him. That Yarugun did not pray, but he said to me, he said, we are behind you. Keep going. That was all he said. And that was the end of it. So some time later, somebody said, ah, I was listening to you one day, and you sounded a little bit like that, Yarugun. You you would know, but I, it's, it's not that you, it's not exactly sounding like people. It is that the unction that rests on them comes upon you such that you can understand without them, without actually listening to them. With, I, I did it for years. I did it. You know, Kenneth Egan, for example, I was the, I was the distributor of Kenneth Egan tapes. <laughs> some years ago I had about 40 gigs you know how big 40 gigs is worth of mp3s of Kenneth Taken 40 imagine one, one mp3 is maybe about uh, 4 mb 5 mb and I had 40 I had thousands of his messages me I was the distributor people will call me and say can you send me Kenneth Egan me I'll be running up and I'm looking for how to send you 40 gigs me that I was sending it I did not listen I didn't listen you know you can be you know when <laughs> somebody said that Naomi left the house of bread in search for of bread uh, but you know what happened to her she lost her breadwinner you leave the house of bread. You know, the house of God is the house of bread. Left the presence of God, went in looking for food. Lost, didn't find the food, but lost her family. God, God wants us to keep track of, of his dealings with us. That vision you had where you suddenly saw a servant of God and the servant of God was praying for you. When you wake up, don't just say, maybe it's because you are watching him. Then what you are not supposed to do is say that thing on that servant of God that I was praying. Let it. Let us see it. In the, let it turn up physically. That grace on that person. Let it be seen now. That strength of that person. Let it be seen now. That anointing on that person. Let it be seen. Now. That is how we collect things. That is how we collect. Even if Jesus turns up in your house. Even if Jesus turns up in your vision and says and says my son. One of the reasons I have a, a passion for trying to show that the Old Testament God didn't throw it completely out of the window because the New Testament came. You know mom was teaching this week and she was teaching about the three types of law. The ceremonial laws, the moral laws and the civil laws. God did the way with the ceremonial because now you replace with Jesus. But, but yet, you know, the scripture says that when you check all the three ceremonies that, that the children of God, Israel would do, the, uh, you know, Passover, 
tabernacles, what's that first one? Pentecost and all that. Such that the Bible says that you would do it, when you check where the God said they would do it, they would do it where God chooses. Where God, he didn't say in a specific way. So it is where God, it, at the point where God chose Shiloh, that was where they did it. When God moved away from Shiloh and moved to Jerusalem, if they had continued doing it in Shiloh, they would have been wrong. They would have been doing their own thing because God has shifted from Shiloh, now he's in Jerusalem. But eventually, because God has said it is where he puts his name, now God has put his name on us. So it is in us now that you find the fulfillment of those three feasts, such that when you are talking of Passover, you are talking of you laying claim to the blood of Jesus because they will kill a lamb. You don't have to kill a lamb now because the lamb has been slain, but you have access to the lamb that was slain. You talk of Pentecost. When they are doing Pentecost, waving sheaves unto God, and then the Holy Ghost came upon them. You talk about Pentecost now. Now the Pentecost is in you because now the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Talk about tabernacles. You are talking of the maturing of the sons of God, where the sons of God stand before God in their full glory. And it is when, that completely happens when we drop our physical body and take up our glorified body. So you see that where, when God was saying, where I choose, God had calculated the fact that eventually the, person, the place he would choose will be you. So he didn't throw out the Old Testament. He fulfilled it in a different way in the new. But one of the reasons I have passion for that is because one day I was reading my Bible and I Jesus was basically walking from the hold. And I was it was like somebody walking on the pages of my scripture or the Bible I was reading. There are certain things that you will never forget. When God wants to help you, God will start to show you one or two things. When you see one, know that behind that one, there is one million. The issue is, are you going to keep pressing on you till you see two, until you see three, until you see four, until you see five? Because there is more than you have seen. So rise up on your feet this morning. Let me, let me stop here. I didn't even get anywhere, but it's okay. There is, there is always more. There is the dedicate. You know, even Satan doesn't use people anyhow. Have you realized that Satan does, does, seems to use very intelligent people and smart people? You've not seen it. You, you know what it takes to, to coordinate the killing of six million people. You know the kind of power of persuasion, the oratory gifts that you had to have, the intelligence you had to have to coordinate. Satan will not use people that are not serious. Why do we think God will use people when people are not serious? God says, come as you are. He doesn't say, stay as you are. You can come into the house of God and not be changed. The whole point of the house of God is transformation. We go from glory to glory, from glory to glory. If that is the point, then we cannot be as we are. Our motivations cannot stay the same. We might come because we are broke. How many of us saw that the boys biopsy that that video they did of him? Why did he come to church? Came to church because his children were sick and he was having troubles. How what happened to him? He came to church, his problems pushed him in church. He didn't stay on the level of problems, problems, problems. He grew. Until he became the head of that church. It doesn't matter what brought you. The whole point is that you have come. 
But now that you have come, you cannot stay the same. Your commitment cannot stay the same. Your love for God cannot stay the same. Your love for people cannot stay the same. You, your concern for your fellows cannot stay the same. Your giving cannot stay at the same level. Your praying cannot stay at the same level. Your study of the scriptures, your engagement with the Holy Ghost cannot stay the same. Just ask the Lord to help you. Holy Ghost, help me. I I cannot stay the same. It is it to 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 stay the if you have stayed the way you came. It doesn't matter if you came fifteen years ago or twenty. If you have stayed the same in the eyes of God, you have regressed. If you have stayed the way you came, we have been called. Come as you are is not the same as stay as you are. You come the way you are, but you must be conformed to the image of Christ. You must be changed you must be changed just ask the lord to help you this this afternoon help me help me help me help me help me change me help me change me let me be changed let there be transformation let me grow help me to grow help me to be better because eventually it is that all of us must be able to say that I must be about my father's business. Jesus made that statement when he was 12 years old and he spent the rest of his life going after the father's business. It is not their church. It is our church. It is not their call. It is our call. You yourself must find a revelation of who you are in the place that God has placed you. Yes, you are in this church today, but why are you here? Are you here because this is the most convenient place to be or are you here because you know that there is a reason god has brought you here are you here because because uh if i don't come here daddy will say ah you got to you got to the uk and then you did your own thing no or are you here because you know by yourself that this is where i am supposed to be and if you understand that this is where you must be you must understand that there are responsibilities that you have there is a way you must expect what there are things you must expect from god God, by virtue of the relationship and the covenant over the house. But there are also things that God expects of you by virtue of your sonship and your responsibilities in the house. We cannot be children. Just ask the Lord that. God help me to grow. Help me to be stronger. Help me to be stronger in the name of Jesus. Help me. Help me. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord Jesus. <laughs>